Hello and welcome to the Sacred Space podcast, a place where we will dive deep into epic discussions on birth, motherhood, womanhood, rites of passage, and so much more. We are your hosts, Lucy, a mama of four, a birth keeper and a past midwife who has left the system in the pursuit of truly being with women. And Christy, a mama of three, birth and pregnancy advocate, community service worker with a strong interest in the shamanic dimensions of the journey from girlhood into womanhood and beyond. Come with us now as we unravel today's conversation. Hello everyone and welcome to our first episode of the Sacred Space Storytelling. This is our very first episode. It's we're feeling all the feels about doing this. We're both in our bedrooms at the moment. I'm with my baby rocking her in a pram. Pregnant Lucy's like sitting there <laughs> on her bed and we're doing it. We're actually doing it. We're doing it. Lucy. We're here. <laughs> yeah. We're like bringing you into like our intimate spaces and how we think. And it's quite like a vulnerable feeling doing this, but I know like it is our first episode and we're going to, it's just going to, you know, come so naturally to us over the next couple of episodes. So bear with us with this one. <laughs> yeah, sure, it's like anything, I'm... anything new, it's a little bit clunky and a little bit, um, there's funny moments, there's vulnerability, yes. but we're excited to be here and starting this journey with you guys listening in. Um, Absolutely. So today, but our first, yeah, what are we doing today? Today we're doing like Lucy's Lucy's midwifery journey. Um, Lucy, if you followed us for a little while um, on Instagram and our journey, you'll see that Lucy used to be a midwife and she chose to deregister herself last year, which was a really big moment for Lucy. Um, I was actually, I feel privileged that I got to be on that little ride with you actually. Mm. So I thought, yeah, this episode should be about you and your journey because it's ultimately what this, a lot of what the sacred space is about um, with that, that journey of pregnancy with, with woman, with woman. Yeah. Um, Both of our journeys really like a lot of unraveling. We've both unraveled a lot since meeting each other. Mm -hmm. Um. A year and a bit ago was like and the stories sort of intertwine yeah they totally do so that's why we thought this would be a really nice place to start um yeah my unraveling and then we'll move into kind of Christy's story and how we landed in this place in this collaboration um yeah and I'm actually just keen to ask these questions to you too, because I don't think I've actually, we've actually just intentionally sat down and going, what, where's the start of this, Lucy? Like, tell me stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of like, I'm digging this, holding this microphone. I feel very professional. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so let's start. I am just going to start where I'm actually just curious um, and wanting to know. And also the start of your story. How did you, how did you, get into birth work like where did honestly this truly begin for you like coming into this realm I think honestly it was um being present at my sibling's birth when I was three and a half wow and it planted a seed and I remember playing games like with 
my little friends and we'd be literally like birthing in our game. And I was like obsessed with birth. I just couldn't get enough (laughs) as a child. I was so intrigued and I loved babies and, but not just the baby aspect. It was like the process of birth. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of. Because you are a very nurturing person too, like a naturally nurturing woman. Like it comes very natural to you. So I like, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I I always knew that I wanted to have my own family. Um, I don't know, it's just runs in my blood. Like I really believe that I was a midwife in a past life and it's just been such a natural curiosity and unfolding for me. <laughs> and um, I guess I didn't even know really what a midwife really was. Um, but I just knew that I was really fascinated with birth and any movies we watched where there was birth present, I was like, wow, I couldn't get enough. And um, then when I was 16 and we did um, Collect Careers Bloody Week. Um, oh, yeah, good and, old Careers Week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the term midwife somehow cropped up. I think one of my friend's <clears throat> older sisters was actually – she was about to apply to go to uni and study midwifery and maybe that and because careers week and we were trying to what do you want to be and subjects to choose in vce because i'm from victoria so it was vce down there um to help you get into uni and then like pursue your career and um so that was where i was like wow midwife that name that word that title resonates so deeply and it just all kind of fell into place for me so that's really like, it's been a lifelong journey, to be honest. And then um, I was not the most academic person in the world. And I would have loved Mm. to probably leave school early, to be honest. Like I really struggled with, I struggle with systems in general, which we'll get into further down the track. (laughs) Me too. But, but, you know, the system of schooling, especially like year 11 Mm. and 12, it's a rat race. It's you're a number in a system. It's not very human. And I found that really hard, but I stuck it out just with the sole purpose of like being able to get a like high enough score to then go on to uni, to then become a midwife. Um, but the universe works in mysterious ways. And although yeah, at the course, time always. I was devastated to not get a high enough score to to immediately go into uni um because I never know how all of that works because yeah. I was like I was like a beauty school dropout so I was like if people talk about these numbers and I'm like oh, it's so horrendous it's like it's the most actually like, a bit soul crushing isn't it like just it being really judged is. on like this one way of testing and yeah from an individual like it's just it's so freaking weird to me but anyway I'm not good at retaining like facts and figures. I'm not good at working in a very pressurized um, environment. I'm so I just completely flunk out to be honest, like in testing situations, I Mm -hmm. am not like, I do not excel. So I felt, I felt really dumb. I, my self-esteem plummeted. I just 
existed for two years. Like it's such a, something I don't want. Was my this after year twelve or during? No, no, no. Well, no, this was year eleven and twelve. So VCE in New South Wales, it's HSC. I don't know what it's called in other states, but you know, like eleven and twelve. Um, and I did some units that apply like so in year 11 that then would cross over into my year 12 kind of score at the end of it if that makes sense um so it was a two-year kind of process and with the full intention of yeah achieving this goal so when I went through all of that and didn't achieve my goal I was just like devastated and felt like mm. a failure and it was really hard for me to process that information at the time as like an 18-year-old, you know. Um, totally. But So much pressure on us then too. Like what are you going to be? What do you want to do? Oh, One who chance, knows? All these numbers like will you be accepted, uh, will you not? It's like uh, it's... Luna just got her NAPLAN like you know, oh, the letter know. from our school. And I was like, nah, fuck that. You're not doing that shit. Noah was like, I don't want to do that. And I was like, I don't want you to do that. Like, this is, I can't <laughs> oh. believe. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Off um, track always. <laughs> so anyway, you didn't as, get, you didn't get in. You're a little bit like, you know, bamboozled by it all. And then what yeah. was the next step? Yeah. So like, I feel like birth is such a labyrinth and life is such a mm. labyrinth. And we're constantly cycling these cycles and revisiting moments where we have this opportunity to go deeper and heal. And so this was one of those moments where I, you know, nothing is linear and I didn't get in. And then I, um, yeah, and then my mom somehow was in contact with her doula from my sibling's birth that I attended that sparked... Yeah, and she was I running. I got goosebumps from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was running this doula training with this other beautiful woman, Anna, um, in Camberwell in the city. Um, and she was like, you should do this doula training. Like I, I've got goosebumps now too. <laughs> you should do yeah. this doula training and maybe it will help you in your application to uni the following year. And, and um, did you know what a doula was? No. Yeah. Because no. so I, I feel like doulas, yeah, like, I mean, they've always been around or, or like they've always been around, but, you know, in this society, I feel like just now they've really come into the limelight. Yeah. So this is 2008. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Um. So doulas were kind of around, I think, like obviously from here on out and forward, I like learned a lot more about doulas and the local doulas and like I was more aware, but definitely not until this point. I mean, I knew that Sundare, this beautiful doula had like woman had been at my mum's birth. I remember sitting on her knee at my, at this birth. Like it's just this profound oh sort of beautiful Sorry. thing. Um, but I, yeah, I didn't know what she was called a doula. I just thought she was like a friend and she was supporting mum. So anyway, I went to this training, best thing ever. And this was the catalyst for everything that happened moving forward and like why I'm here in this place now, because it was essentially a women's circle. We came and sat in circle. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, Yeah, is it, was it like, was the training? Cause you know, there is like all different types of training depending on the trainer and the facility and the 
like organizational whatever and how they actually train doulas because obviously there's a huge element of like spirituality to that Mm. so it's like was what was that training like was the best training I've ever done like obviously I haven't done another training but I've I've seen other trainings and I've it lit me up as an 18 year old turned like I was a 19 year old by the time I um well I turned 19 as I was doing it it was this beautiful kind of space that I needed to be in, not even to learn the art of do- being a doula and being at birth. It was like I was at this, this fork in the road. I felt like it was an initiation into womanhood. Like I, like, oh, it was just so amazing to sit in this space with so much reverence. They brought so much spirituality, mm. sacredness, reverence without it feeling intimidating. Like it was just so natural. Everyone was so themselves. We sat, there was older women, or I was the youngest, but like, you know, women of all different ages, like maidens, mothers, crones. I I was there and um, we all just shared like so openly our stories and why we I'm were sorry, there. I'm sorry, but that is like the most beautiful experience as an 18-year-old. Yeah. Like I actually feel like I've got a lump in my throat because I'm like, like I feel like you're so lucky to have experienced that at such a young age because a lot of us haven't and, you know, we went off the rails and I feel like that is such a, it's just so, it's so such a prominent thing that we need in society and, I mean, yeah. you are who you are today and bringing the medicine that you bring today. Because to of this life. experience. Yeah, yeah. It was honestly because of this experience and I refer back to that knowledge and learning from that time now in the work that I do today mm, and how yeah. to be with women and how to yeah. to heal your own stuff, to not bring ego into a woman's space, how, like yeah. how every little thing can be an intervention and disruption in a woman's birth. How And it's not a clinical process. Used. No, and it was just oh, like I just lapped it up. I loved it so much. Um there was a beautiful woman who came in and shared her birth stories who I then became quite close with and attended her um, sixth birth actually wow. um, when I was a student midwife and she had this free birth and I was there and I didn't really kind of realise how the gravity of that at the time like and how mm. um, radical that was and like wow. I don't know, it was like but it, I was so thankful that I did experience that with such like fresh enthusiasm and I guess naive like I was naive to but you've also got an like a huge element of depth to you anyway in in the makeup of who you are like you're well, you're just... quite a heart-centered deep like beautiful I think you're a beautiful person and um like do you think that that's always been in you so you were able to receive that better you know yeah, like from I your upbringing think... or your schooling or whatever like that you'll mm. be able because you know a lot of women like me for example at that age I wouldn't have been able to sit there and probably receive that because I wasn't quite there you know in that in yeah that. I I went to a Steiner school for the first five years of my yeah. life and my mum and dad were quite alternative in how like my upbringing so um which it makes a huge difference yeah it makes I guess a big difference it really planted seeds for what I considered 
yeah, like normal or I don't even know just how, yeah, I receive Yeah, outlook things. on life though because that is yeah. like a deeper connect. Like it, you're taught almost like a deeper connection with the earth, with yourself, with yeah. your feelings, with your surroundings, with your interactions. So it's like if that seed in there is planted quite early and it's nourished, like you are going to look at the world in a deeper way, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, yeah definitely. And I, I mean, I, mum, had friends who'd home birthed and had lotus births and that was all very normal to me like but in such a like it wasn't even like a thing like it was just like in conversation I was exposed to these different ways of mothering and birthing and life and so I feel very grateful like that I've had that kind of yeah um exposure to life and being a woman and and it just meant that the world when... the world needed you the world needed you <laughs> but i i really i really appreciate it now being 32 nearly 33 like i yeah. can see now how privileged i was to have had that exposure to those things and then obviously yeah the universe landed me in this dual training where i was like whoa like isn't this what midwifery is cuz that was honestly what i thought being a midwife was right I yeah. thought it was like this beautiful community, woman-centered, um, reverent, spiritual role. Sure, you had like you had skills to help with obstetric emergencies or whatever, but essentially it was like this uh, like spiritual, beautiful unfolding of relationship with a woman. And that's how I saw birth. That's how, and I yeah. I love that for my 18 and 19 year old self I love that that's what I thought every birth looked like already and what midwifery was like I was was that illuminates out of you that like because I know that when I was pregnant oh far out I might get a bit teary saying this (laughs) shit um (laughs) when I damn I'm very sensitive today um I know when I was pregnant, yes, it is. Happy full moon, everyone. Fuck me. Um, When I was pregnant and, um, you know, I'd actually never felt so held by someone as what I was held by you. Like it's something very rare and it's like a very, um, I'm getting very (laughs) teary. Just um, everything that I ever needed to be held. Like I'd done many women's circles beforehand, so I did know how it felt, but to be held held in such a vulnerable intimate space and place in my life was honestly like it's just everything that all women need that we all need that because it's it changed my life you know we all deserve that yes absolutely I I truly believe we um we're made up to expect that that's like what our dna our like like our Mm -hmm. birthright we we expect that and it's like an, mm-hmm. it's quite a, like an assault on on your nervous system and your spiritual being and your body when you I feel like everybody has this like unconscious knowing or conscious knowing that that's what you should feel you should feel really held mm-hmm. and loved and it's a reverent spiritual crazy beautiful experience and you're so vulnerable and open and expanded and then to have such a jarring medical cold system then treat you in every way but that it's like well I think that that's where the like because for me to have the experience that I've had and 
you know, obviously your experiences because people are like, you can't be like, fuck the system and that. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I, there is that balance that you have to bring to it, but it's really hard not to get angry about it. Cause I, you feel like you've been lied to, you feel like you've been taken advantage of and you've been suppressed and it's just like, fuck you. Like, and especially if you could experience something so beautiful and it's so profoundly life-changing and natural and like uh, primal and instinctual and just it amplifies all of everything within you and you're like, why the fuck was I not shown this earlier? It just, I almost sometimes feel like just kicking and screaming going, that's not fair. But yeah, you know, we're reclaiming it now. I, yeah, and I think a lot of women are waking up and listening to that inner knowing in the hold the phone, like I'm working for me and I don't like this and I am, yeah. I'm feeling mistreated, like mistreated mm-hmm. and um, searching for more and it's such a exciting, you know, time at the moment. I feel like there is this like deep awakening of the women um yes. searching for more wanting more and and ultimately it does have to come from the women we need to yes. stand up and yes, say yes it has to come from us yes because yeah if you know no we have to yeah own our power no one else can save you only you can um change what is happening right now and that was another big lesson as a midwife and birth worker you know i went into it thinking well, as soon as I got into midwifery the following year and saw the reality of what I was. Yeah, so this is this is what I want to just come back to this part. So if you, when you got in, so after your doula training, sorry, Lucy, if I just cut that's you okay. off. Because I'm no. like, oh, wait, that's, you just, you just like. <laughs> sorry, that's I'm where we were. your head. We, no, we, te- we, like, this is what we do though. We tangent and that's cool. We all do that. But it's like bringing it back to, so you'd done your doula training. So the, how long did that go for? So that was six months, I think. Yep. Um, yep. And, and then, then did I that was... give you the time to then apply for the degree or? Yes, yeah, so I reapplied. I don't really think, to be honest, doing the dual training helped me in any way. They don't give a no, fuck. No, of just course care not. About. But, you know, in my mind at the time, I was like, that's why I'm doing it. But then like the universe was like, no, but this is why you're really doing it. And then. Yeah in for some reason like the enter score or they call it ATAR now I know something weird yeah whatever the score it was um (laughs) the score the score it dropped that following year um for whatever reason so then I did have enough like of a score to go to apply and I got accepted so that was amazing. I went into a direct entry degree, so Bachelor of Midwifery. Um, and I I don't know, it was such a weird course. Hey, I like what was the studying like when do you do you ever remember like any like I mean I'm sure that was all like moments made up and meshed together, but was there any pivotal moments when you were like, what the fuck is this? Basically from day one. I mean, so yeah. we went in and the first year was essentially um doing nursing so basically there are two Mm -hmm. ways that you can become a midwife these days and there's direct entry so you do a bachelor of midwifery or there's the postgrad so you can either do that's what I was gonna do that's why I was halfway through my nursing degree 
and was going to go straight on to midwifery but yes and then it's like one year post-grad yeah, so, but I I wanted to focus purely on midwifery. I had no intention mm-hmm. of being a nurse. I had no interest. So, yeah. but we did obviously need to learn some nursing skills. So we did nursing units um, mainly in year one. And then I did a couple, I can't even remember how many units of like midwifery. Um, and we had one placement at the end of the year, which um, was at, my placement was at um, a nursing home. <laughs> Because they do. Oh my have... god! I did a lot of placements at nursing homes. I actually because, really loved it. To be I mean, yeah, there was some really not loved elements. the system of it, but just the just the, I just I like obviously caring for people. But you, we won't get into that. Let's not <laughs> tangent off because I will just start well, going on. Yeah, well, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all yeah. It was just funny because they the unis take on more students than they can actually um support space for yeah yeah yeah, because they get funding or whatever for um of course money so but so they hope that people will drop out in the first six months but anyway there wasn't enough placement because there was too many of us so I did my clinical placement at a nursing home where I was meant to be learning my vital sign skills on quite traumatizing actually 90 year olds who I could barely feel a pulse or hit you know I was just like oh my god but the beautiful <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but I mean it's just life. It was beautiful in that um yeah, I shared it on is. one of our stories on our Instagram a few weeks ago how I ended up like speaking to these women in their eighties and nineties who mm, were that's speaking, what I loved the most. Yeah, speaking to me about their births. Mm. They heard that I was a midwife and they just felt so compelled to share and I and that's where I first really realized the power of storytelling. The natural and, urge to share about your births as a woman. And that you never, ever, ever forget your birth experience. And it's never, never done. Mm-mm. You're forever revisiting and reliving your birth experience. Mm-hmm. And and playing it, it out in your life as well. Yeah. And so yep. that was really, that was the lesson there, like that I was meant to receive. So yeah, but I guess, yeah, you asked me, like, when did that, like, penny drop? Um, mm. I guess in all my midwifery units, I was like, just, I felt like I had so much more insight because I guess I'd done my doula training as well um, into the conversations and topics and whatever. And But it just felt so one-dimensional to me, like, they weren't going deeper. Mm. And I was like, well, what about this? And what about the language? And what about – and mm. um. A lot of the girls, women who were doing the course were like, we just want to play with babies. And, and I was like, but yeah. it's not about, it's not about babies. Like they're like a cute little byproduct, sure. But like, it's about the women. That's the mother's job to look after the babies. It's our job yeah. to look after the mothers so that they the can mother. look after the babies amazingly and well and and raise these strong children for the next generation, you know. Mother the mother like midwife mm-hmm. is with woman and so oh, anyway it was yeah from then forward it was just so you life. finished it off because it's like a three-year degree is it or four again or? though I mean I took a long time to learn my lesson it took until last of year course. I feel like <laughs> I, don't was we all, though? Far I was very so stubborn I you know had bashed my head against the wall getting through VCE didn't get into so nothing about this journey has ever flowed for me. It's been really uphill. It's been a battle. It's been really traumatic and hard. 
But I just kept thinking, but this is my inner knowing that I need to work in birth. And of course, it can only look like midwifery. I was just Mm. in this such a... But we are so programmed in that way. It's like when I did my nursing degree, it's like I love caring for people, but it's almost like I want that validation or that degree or that that title or that because I want, you know, I want I want to feel like I've achieved something. I'm successful. I'm not just, you know, I'm not just a bum or I'm not just, which is totally not fucking true. That's just how we've been programmed to think, you know, so it's hard to like un ravel and decondition and you know all that stuff in our minds and what we're being taught so yeah it was very much like that industrial way of thinking and doing and living um so um yeah but it was just yeah so it was this slow it was the four years there was three years. three years because it was direct entry. Um, so I wasn't yep. a nurse midwife. I was just a midwife. If you do um, post-grad, then you're a nurse and a midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just, you know, obviously when placement started and I was thrown into these clinical situations where women were treated like cattle. Did like, you pick up you know, on that straight away, though, where you were like, yeah. this is not okay? Yeah. Like or, I was like, this isn't what I thought midwifery was. And I, I, I cried a lot of that course and didn't want to continue. And, but then is I that when you did, were doing your placements and actually like, like witnessing women in these situations? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, it was just. <laughs> I mean, I was twenty at this point. I was a young maiden. I was thrown into these situations with other midwives who really didn't know I didn't feel like half the time were grounded in their practice either or probably seen a real physiological birth themselves yeah and doctors treating you know the nurses and midwives like crap Mm -hmm. students even worse so it was just I just couldn't comprehend what I'd been thrown into and um I remember my first placement when the first episiotomy I witnessed and then she'd cut it too early like because the baby hadn't applied like I don't even know why she cut it to like there was no indication definitely wasn't the right time <laughs> like it was so traumatic for me um so basically the baby's head wasn't um fully applied firmly to the perineum so there were so when she cut it there was just a lot of blood usually if mm. the baby's head is there and obviously there's no blood circulation because it's really tight and then sometimes, I guess, I don't know, some people feel there's a, like, indication for an episiotomy and that would be when it would happen. Um, but I had to hold her gaping vagina um, as the mm. baby came. I, and she was screaming and she was on her back and I, and I was just like, oh, my mm. God, what have I just witnessed? And it was just sort of, like, just continued on from there. Like, sure, there was some, like, lovely experiences where I bonded with the women and families um and like I got to see a somewhat physiological birth um but but still like really can you really have a true physiological birth in a hospital no no like I know that that's a bit of a hard truth but can you because 
I mean, I've had two hospital births and then I've had a free birth and I'm like, this is like a totally different fucking dimension right now. Do you know what I mean? So really, I mean, yeah, like it's, it's, it's nuanced and it's layered all the rest of it, but realistically. Well, I mean, in the sense that you are moving from a place of safety where you initially started labor at home and you've come into a brightly lit huge space bustling busy loud space Mm -hmm. and then you've come into someone else's home essentially where they are laying down rules and they are telling you um what to do and they're touching you and prodding you and asking you questions and I mean yeah I mean that is I mean are you really in control in a hospital yeah I I don't know and it's I know that these are like big questions right now. It's a big a question, but, but I I yeah. guess the short answer I these days I would say I no, I don't think I think it's a massive intervention that disrupts <clears throat> disrupts the flow of physiological birth and um you have to be really careful and mindful of everything that we do. And I I definitely think like if maybe the environment was set up better then perhaps that transition from one home to another place of birth you still a could birth have that resembles a home and it's like or just a respectful yeah. environment that yeah has low lighting mm. and low voices and not no touching prodding poking like no hierarchy, which i'm sure some no women ego. have experienced like i have heard heard of these experiences but yeah it's just unfortunate because since i became a midwife i've really seen like like how many have you seen that is like that like in like how long were you a midwife for from starting um, on your first day as a midwife fresh as going in to when you well I graduated when I was oh I'm trying to think yeah so I would have been 23 22 22 turning 23 is that right Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's right and then because you're 32 now yeah, because I was 19 turning 20 when I started and it was a three, you know, something like that. So it's been about 10 years that I've been in the birth space with the title midwife. Um, and, yeah, I I really haven't seen many, um, not in yeah. hospital anyway. Absolutely not. <laughs> mm, yep. So your grad year, your first year. Tell me about that. So I got a grad year up in New South Wales because that's where my partner was from. Um, so I moved up here. It was a whole oh, so new you thing. met him in between all of that? I met him while, while I was studying. Um, <gasps> Sorry. We met at a music festival of all places. <laughs> and Ooh, anyway. in the mosh pit. <laughs> yeah, basically. Basically. There wasn't any grad years in Melbourne because there was too many students graduating and not enough places at hospitals. So I applied both and then wherever I got a grad year is where I would locate. So as it were, it was New South Wales um, and got this grad year um, in Western Sydney um, at a hospital that sort of had a lot of um, multicultural and lower socioeconomic sort of backgrounds, clients and or patients, I don't know, people. Um, and so that in that way, it was a really good experience. Like I really enjoyed meeting different people, 
like there's a lot of migrants that live in Western Sydney um, in the suburbs and mm-hmm. that was really cool. I learned a lot too. I learned a heap and from the yeah. women and the families and it was really beautiful just to bear witness. But the care again was really below, just below just even like a standard that I would deem all acceptable and safe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was a grad year midwife, but I was basically thrown in as like of just a full um, midwife because I didn't have enough people to sort of support me in that role. So I didn't have any support. I was given a full workload. I was thrown in situations that were very compromising. And again, just like, wanted to die basically every day I got home Mm -hmm. I was like I can't believe what I was made to do today and what I saw and it was just inhumane in my eyes like um I remember having the same experiences in my nursing degree like walking out and just feeling a certain way and then sitting in my car and just crying so much and just thinking this surely this is not normal like surely this is not where we're at we're at like I just couldn't make sense of it so I do understand that feeling quite a lot I just felt like it was dog eat dog like it was just such totally fucking that is it dog mm, eat dog it was really rough and it was like trying to survive like in this this toxic workplace where I was being paid minimum like bloody wage is like you know um and didn't get like enough breaks I was overworked I was yeah had too many like women and babies to look after like the ratio was completely blown out um and then are you really and you're not really with woman either I was not with woman and so at the end of every day I was like fuck I hope I did that right like fucking hell like it was just really scary and didn't get to give didn't get to give the care that each woman and baby deserved, didn't get cared for myself in the way that I deserved as this new midwife. Mm, I had to keep like fighting for people to respect me and take my clinical judgment, um, like believe in it. And, and, and like, I, no one believed me. Like they were like, Oh, we're going to recheck that VA because she can't really be like eight centimeters. She just walked in and I was like, she's eight centimeters. Like, what are you talking about? And then Yep. And doctors breathing down your neck and it was just, mm, it was. That hierarchy too is absolutely fucked up. Yeah. So anyway, basically, long story short, I had a basically a nervous breakdown at the end of that year. Mm. Um, I had just newly become pregnant with my first baby and I was like. How old were you at this stage? 23. Yep. Um. And I was like, I just want to get out. <laughs> and I just want to like, because I had some bleeding as well early on. And I was like, I'm too stressed to, I don't want to like lose this baby because I'm so stressed. And I also can't actually physically carry on. Physically, yep. mentally. Like it was like, I just, it's just horrendous what healthcare workers go through. But I think especially nurses and midwives, like, it's, oh, I don't know, it's just next level. And because birth is so big, it's 
it's next level. I mean, I was witnessing babies being taken from their parents because they were like, you know, not safe environments for these babies to go home to. And like, that was fine, but it was just like every day, it was just like really heaviness, like, um, or. And probably done in a way that is just so disconnecting and yeah like there's just there's just such a huge very varying spectrum of what birth and postpartum can look like because obviously every woman's story is different and I, that's why it's so important that we can't, don't just give blanket care and that we have mm-hmm. time to be with every family and give them the time and care and love and nurturing that they they deserve It can't Mm -hmm. be this like quickly just tick all the boxes and do all the obs and give all the meds and check the baby's done X amount of poos that day or like wheeze. Like Mm. I, that's all it came down to like, um, the checklist, the checklist. And I didn't feel respected. Yeah. In my position as a midwife at all. And yeah. So anyway, long story short, I I can see if my first baby had, it had some bleeding and then I was like, I'm out. (laughs) I'm just going to go and like recover from the trauma that Mm -hmm. I've just like gone through. Was this after the first year? That was just one year. But mind you, I'd been doing like three years of placement and Mm -hmm. like a lot of other things that that was similar, like where we would just do, because placement, obviously you don't get paid for. So it's just like, you can't have a life. Um, And you're just on placement all the time trying to get, catch these babies like because you have to get x amount of births ticked off um so it was just again like uh rat race convey about just a number ticking stuff off it wasn't about um that woman's experience and having continuity of care and fully learning it was like literally put your gloves on and run into three different rooms and like put your hands on a baby's head for like five minutes and catch it and give it to the mum and like be there for the placenta's birth but sometimes not even because you need to get the births and it's not guaranteed it was anxiety induced so I I already had anxiety listening to that this kind of really full-on three years and then I went into this fourth year of my grad year where I was on my own and I was scared shitless and unsupported and away from my family and friends as well because I was in New South Wales. Um, so I just needed a break. Like I honestly couldn't stop crying. I was so depressed, mm. so burnt out. Um, and so I just didn't work while I was pregnant um, and I had a baby <laughs> and I just mm. wanted to to heal and I wanted to do everything that I learned for myself in my experience and I wanted to yeah I needed but I was a shell of a human being it was really full-on um and at that point I was like like okay that I can never go back to that but I need to somehow get into home birth and at this point because I believe that being a home birth midwife I would have more autonomy I would you be able believe to or you still believe I believed at this time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't believe that as much these days. Um, yeah. I just thought that was, so that was my new kind of like goal, I guess, to excuse. Did you know immediately when you fell pregnant with Noah that you were going to have a home birth? Yes, because I'd been at home births with 
Yeah. Well, I knew from, so I first got, ex- going back to my doula training, I got exposed to home birth and free birth um, in that setting. And I, that was like, this is what birth is meant to look like a really normal event. Most women give birth with, you know, no dramas. It's like a normal physiological event. There are some women that of course need medical intervention. And for that, we are always grateful and it is indicated in those moments, but there's definitely a freaking overuse and, and fear, the fear that, the fear that's just fear and it's really in general, actually making these horrible waves. Yeah. Connected to our bodies, the fear. Yes, it's wild because that's well, what it's the power just, is. There's just that cascade then of intervention and women are now having interventions that weren't necessary um, and then they're coming out the other end of birth feeling completely violated and traumatised and disconnected from their bodies and their babies and their mothering journey and it's something we really need to address. So that's my passion like you know unpicking this thing that has become so complicated and we've all just now normalized birth as being this obstetric event but that's a whole other story in in of itself Mm, um but yeah no I did know that I wanted to have a home birth I knew that I wanted to and especially from my own experiences working in the system I was like there is no way that I would feel safe birthing here um so yeah, and some of my follow through women, we had to have women that we followed through their journey. That was beautiful in midwifery. That was the best part. Um, where we followed their journeys, and most of those women, um, or maybe half of them, had home births. So I was at a fair few home births. Um, and that to me was quite normal as well. From like when I was growing up, a lot of mums' friends had friends had home births. So I had this like. It's very normalized in my thinking and then reinforced by my learnings as a midwife and doula and experiences as a midwife and doula. So there I was. And moving forward, I guess, fast forwarding a bit forward was me having a baby and then obviously like seeing birth in a different way, having that experience and feeling it. Um, And I just still had this yearning um to achieve my dream and how do I how do I get enough experience to be a home birth midwife and um try to reach out to people around me to get experience and support and worked casually when I could um until I had well I had my second baby and then I again yeah I worked when I was pregnant with her um casually and attended some home births as well as kind of like a second and to get experience. And that was really beautiful. And then I had um, an unplanned third pregnancy very close to my second. So that was like almost the universe again, working in its way. At the time I was so like frustrated, but it was like, I see now on reflection, a necessary blockage in the road like it literally stopped me in my tracks of my journey trying to you know but at the time I was like why why is this happening so I fell pregnant when I was trying to go back to work after I'd had my second baby but had, then, did you, you had worked between Noah and Willa yeah, like your first yeah yeah so I'd worked casually because I couldn't 
I didn't want to leave my babies. Like I had them quite close together. So they're always very young. So I always, I just worked casually. And I, yeah, as I said, I worked in, I did some home births as a second. Um, but it was very, yeah, just very, whenever Lee, my partner could be with them, I would work, but I, I couldn't, I'd never went back kind of full time because Sorry, we do have a baby here on the this podcast. Primrose is awake. Hello, baby. I'm just gonna put her up. I'm just gonna put um, her on the boob. So, yeah, that was just the way it was. Hey, and I was just trying really hard to make it work and be a mom and be a midwife and pursue all my dreams, but it was just so freaking impossible because the system doesn't support you as a mother, which is so ironic. Um, yeah, I felt totally. really unsupported. Like it's all shift work, and they have high expectations of your availability and no one cared that I had a little baby at home and then had two little babies at home. Like no one cared. Um, Nobody does. (laughs) So yeah. Anyway, I, what really stopped me in my tracks with this whole pursuit of like home birth midwifery was um, falling pregnant with my third baby very, very unexpectedly as I was applying for work after I'd had my second daughter. Um, and there was some requirements of going back to work where I needed some booster vaccinations. And I was like, I'm not having them when I'm pregnant. I also couldn't actually have them when I was pregnant until like at some point, but I was like, I'm not anyway, cause I'm not comfortable with that. And there's like actually no. zero, zero data. Like I went to my GP and I was like, can you please um, pull up all the studies and data that support the safety of having this whilst pregnant? And she was like, there is none. And I was like, yeah. Hold on, let me just Google that. <laughs> so, you know, she was a really good GP. She was super amazing. She sadly left T- the practice. Total jokes, now, but... by the way. That was total jokes. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, anyway, <laughs> that it was just like this, like I just, it was just me hitting brick wall after brick wall. Like I kid you not. And I said to you earlier, like this whole thing has been an uphill battle. Like this, but this last part was like the universe saying, you need to stop. You're not actually going to your dream of working in birth doesn't have to look like this. Um, and so I, so the hospital wouldn't give me an exemption to work without it, even though I couldn't have it until the third trimester. Anyway, it was so bullshit. And mm. um, so I couldn't get employment, had my baby. And then when my baby was four months old, oh, and that's right. And during this time, the Medicare thing came into place so no longer could you just work in home birth you had to be medicare eligible oh that's right and you needed like five thousand hours working in the system and you needed to do Mm. all these other accreditations and things so i was like oh my god it was just like so i was like okay (laughs) fuck um when violet my third baby was four months old i went to and you had your third at home as well Yes, I had all my babies at home um, with a midwife. Um, yeah, at some point we'll unpack that as well, I'm sure, yeah, in another podcast. Um, but, yeah, so I, I did everything in my power to, like, keep my my registration on track, to keep my experience on track, to keep employment. But, like, the system didn't support me as a mum. All these other roadblocks appeared. Um then when I was four months postpartum, I applied again for a job. And like, then they were like, you haven't worked for two years. So your um, 
my yeah like I didn't have recent enough experience or referees so I was like oh my god so what do god. you have to do in that moment what happened oh, I I don't know it was ridiculous like what I, did they I, expect you to do then I was like I bet I've been having babies and I even applied at the place where I had worked when I was like you I actually had- have been had like the most hands-on experience there is you were having babies I was like I was having babies and I applied here last year and you wouldn't employ me remember because I was pregnant and I couldn't anyway it was a whole thing but I also worked (laughs) at the same hospital before as well like I'd worked there already it was so Mm. annoying and and I ended up um long again long story short so it's such a long unraveling before I left my job completely, I, I worked for about 18 months in a private hospital because mm. um, they were basically desperate for staff and were happy to employ me. Yeah. Um, and that even really, though you didn't have that two years, they didn't care. And, and again, yeah. that it really isn't a requirement. They were just being like, or maybe it's just I the don't universe know. again saying, Lucy, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> So I worked at this private hospital that's like obstetrically run and it was like as far as far away from how I dream and see midwifery to be and how I wanted to work. It was like the extreme opposite. Um, It was really great in so many ways, but it was like super traumatic again the things that I bear witness to, the understaffing, the compromised positions I was placed in, um, yep. the way I was treated by by obstetricians um, and some midwives. Mm. Some midwives were beautiful. Like there was some beautiful people there that I appreciated of deeply. Course. But um, it was like, it was really just, again, I burnt myself to the ground. I had three little ones at home and, um, by the end of this experience, it was like the pandemic. It was like full on. So mm. I just made this decision finally where I was like, I don't feel passionate about birth anymore, about midwifery, about I've lost my spark. And, and then I'm, I don't, and going in back to work when the pandemic was on, like that would have just amplified was, everything. It was just, yeah, because women were being already so badly treated with lack of options and just horrendously, you know, sterile clinical care. When the pandemic hit, it just got so much worse for birthing women, like just like disgustingly. So they were stripped of the most rights and the most care Mm. and were put in very compromising, isolating positions. That was very, was just so traumatic And I just witnessed that trauma as well play out and them not be able to have their support around them. And because, you know, you couldn't have visitors or only one support person and everyone's got PPE on and like, you know, (sighs) anyway. So I left my job and I hung on to my registration for one more year. Why do you think you did that? I was so attached to this old paradigm idea of what birth work looked like for me. And it was very egoic as well. It it was that validation Mm. that you said it was wanting to feel validate some validation and to feel like I had a bloody piece of paper, a certificate to show my worthiness. 
Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I did a lot of work in that And being time. accepted. Yeah. And a lot of letting go of people I perhaps looked up to, but there was a lot of like veils were lifted. Mm-hmm. Um, realities hit home a lot for me during that time. And I also had to look inward and be like, why do I care about birth and women and this whole thing? And is this going to ever integrate into what midwifery is in this day and age? And the answer is no. And again, you're owned by a system. You're owned by APRA, the regulating, the regulator who you register with. They are always looking over your shoulder and breathing down your neck and you cannot speak freely. You cannot act freely. Not completely Um, freely. That's for sure. No. So I was like, I need to really address the ego in the room and there's a lot of wounding and that needs to be healed. And I've been holding this idea for so long that it just, it just became like Mm. how impossible to let go of. I attended a birth, a home birth as a second midwife after I left the hospital, but I was still registered. And I felt fear and I felt numb. Mm. And I was, that to me was the wake up call, really the final, the final call (laughs) where I was like, I never like would ever have imagined that I would have felt this way at a home birth. Um, I didn't feel anything. I just felt fear from how I'd been conditioned to feel in the system. And I didn't feel connected to the magic of that birth and that woman's power. Mm. And then I was going to be your second midwife. Because <laughs> mm. um, I, I, I remember Christy that James's though, because even just bringing up that, because I used to get really, not confused, but I felt that energy around you. And I'm like, oh, he's my second midwife. And you'd be like, yeah, but it wasn't like, it wasn't your true like essence. Like I just didn't feel like it was fulfilling you. You were like, hmm. And I knew how much that you loved birth and who you were and what mm. you were about, but that just didn't resonate. And it just sort of flattened you a little I felt really flat by that point. I felt like a ton of bricks on my shoulders. I didn't feel like I could be myself or, or yeah, I, there was just no freedom there to be with women in the way that I believed was authentic. And um, as luck would have it, as the universe works in its mysterious ways, I no longer was your second midwife, but I was still very much on your journey with you. And I was able to. It just um, felt better in that moment, didn't it? When you were like, wait yeah. a minute, you're my doula now. Um, yeah. And my friend just, and my I sister. I just work for you. Like I don't yeah. work for anyone else in this situation. Um, and I was now just your birth keeper and your friend and, yeah, and your sister. And I was there just for you, serving you. And your birth awoke something deep inside of me that I had lost and it I feel like something I, deep inside all of us <laughs> I feel like crying too like when I think about I it just the gratitude that I have and this mm. that was the moment where I was like I really feel like I can lean into the flow of life and trust how things play out 
because every yep. single time I have lent in and stopped resisting, it's taken me where I want to be truly. Yeah. And that birth realigns me. It relit the flame inside of my mm. heart and my soul and like showed me what it took me like full circle, almost like back to mm. sitting in circle as a 19 year old, 18, 19 year old at this dual training just sitting at the feet of a woman being Mm. in complete awe of her. She is the center. You are not there to control or be the care care provider or to you. It's not your right to bring any fear or anything into her space because she is in her ultimate power and you are of service to her. And, you know, and then you just, you birthed your baby. Like we were just there and you birthed your baby. And it was like, like having that experience that I had, um fuck I'm actually going to post the birth on our page yeah um because we're like you know we've got our workshop coming up and it's like this is what we did yeah (laughs) but it's like I because I that all came from me and I know that but you know you walking in that door that morning and just I think I was on all fours at that point like I've been laboring for a couple of hours and you just I just looked up at you and it was just that energetic exchange immediately between you and I like you're like I'm here and I'm like you know I know that I'm doing this on my own but to be surrounded by the sisterhood and by women um integral women like you is just I I you know I wouldn't have been able to birth how I birthed without that support I wouldn't have been able to like I know that I was all to do with me but to have that support around me you know during my pregnancy to keep me like rooted in and holding that vision of who I am and what I wanted you know yeah thank you it was yeah well just... I, it was just what well, was mutual like it was like we just were there all so like you gifted me the biggest gift of my life and then if I was able to support you in any way like it was just my pleasure like it was just this beautiful partnership relationship thing and that's the story basically of how we landed where we are right now yes yes made soon after that I think like the next week clicking I do not (laughs) wish to re-register no thank you I remember when you did that I was like (laughs) fuck yeah and it was the biggest relief I felt so free and I'd been so scared up until that point. It was a lot of conditioning that I had to let go of. Like the following months after that, it was a lot of grief that came up for me, but I just let it come and I let it go. And now we're building this beautiful, authentic place together. And I'm able to work in true authenticity. And so are you and offer women something that we are so proud of and yeah I think that's something we love and we're passionate about because it's like you know you're so like you've got so much so much beautiful experience in birth I just it's so captivating to me and then I you know bringing in my stuff with just because I love women's work I love with girls like working empowering girls because ultimately from my opinion we're all midwives you know what I mean we're all midwives and I feel like imagine you know as young girls we got taught about the physiological process of birth and how our bodies are and how we develop like in a deep deep way I mean even if you don't want children even just to know that so you can support your sister or your friend or I mean 
like you know midwives that hold a degree are not the gatekeepers of births they're just not like we know the women are in us the women are all of us are like I mean yeah like it's just to me it's like and I know to you like it's it is just a feeling of just knowing sometimes it's even hard to express to people that aren't really don't have that view because I'm like what do you mean what do you mean you like you can you don't need to you don't need all of this but we're all on our own journeys and we're all like yeah we're all deprogramming and unraveling in our own ways in our own way so it's like that's why we're doing the work that we're doing because we believe it's just it's so important it's the start of life yeah, I truly believe that if we heal birth, we heal the earth as daggy and corny as that sounds. It's like I don't think it's daggy and corny. If at all we empower Yes. And I think if you have a really nurturing and empowered birth, even if it isn't a physiological birth, even if it is you need in, like intervention is necessary, if you feel empowered in that birth mm-hmm. and held and respected, you are gonna walk totally. into motherhood feeling so in your power so strong yes. and vital and you are going to yes. mother that child and every you're going to not come from this place of like survive only surviving of scarcity you're going to come from a place of thriving in your mothering journey and that's going to influence your baby I'm a completely reborn woman you're going to step and in it and that it doesn't just mean flows it's going to be easy forward. it flows yes. forward and forward and forward and we see a different world like we just would yes so yes. on that note, I think, yeah, we'll close today's first podcast episode. Thank you so much for listening. I know it's been a little bit yeah. of a longer one. We feel super excited to keep these conversations going. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. So, so exciting. Just- I loved that. I could actually just continue to keep talking to you in this amazing <laughs> microphone. Like <laughs> it was good. Um, I really but that's a little bit that. of a little bit of a story of like, how I anyway personally got to where to where I am right now and how our partnership, Christy and I's partnership kind of formed. Mm-hmm. And at some point we will dive into kind of Christy's journey and how she got to the place where we met each other. And yeah, for sure. Yeah, because it's just such a big journey for both of us. This isn't just a yep. business. It's like an evolution of self and and up leveling and it's so true it's like it's not even about like you know of course like you know making money and all that that's great but ultimately this is our purpose and it's what we love and it's what we're passionate about like deeply deeply passionate and we live we walk the talk too like we live this way so it's just such an honor and a privilege to be able to have the opportunity to come together and to create you know, our business and our Instagram page and our email list and our podcast. Oh my God, she just farted. That was what I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. <laughs> We're on the she's just saying hey. Um yeah, it's just it's I'm so grateful for it. It's such a journey, like even just you know, creating all of this, like because we are as women like such beautiful creative beings and it's just experiencing this is just next level so thank you lucy and thank you everyone like one of many podcasts one of many cool things that we're going to bring to light and share and discuss with our community it's so good so good so thank you so much for listening to the sacred space storytelling episode one 
Um, and we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs> yes. Bye, Bye for now. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs>